This teaching comes to you from the team at Anchor Church Sydney. We hope you're blessed by it. For more teachings, resources or info, check out our website www.anchorchurch.com.au Well, good morning and welcome to Church Online. Matt Sparks here, lead pastor at Anchor Church Sydney and I want to wish you a big happy Resurrection Sunday. And uh, it's good news. The resurrection is great news, particularly at a time like this. It's good news that the throne is occupied, the tomb is empty, that Jesus rules and reigns, and that we get to celebrate that this morning. I want to welcome you to Anchor Church. Perhaps you're one of our church family, or maybe you're watching this uh, online from around the world or around Australia. Thank you for being here with us and for celebrating Easter with us. We believe that this is a really significant and important time for us. And particularly at a time like this, we need some good news. And we believe that the resurrection of Jesus is the best news ever. You know, a while ago, I was um, scrolling through the internet and I came across a news story with the article, the headline that said, Dead Man Awakes at Funeral. I thought that sounds like a great story. I'm always up for good stories. And so I clicked the link and read about uh, a 28-year-old waiter from southern Egypt who happened to have a heart attack at work and died. And his boss rang his family and said, look, your son's died, you need to come and get him. And they took the body away to begin their traditional Islamic preparation of the of the body. And they rang the doctor and the doctor came and she said, he's alive, he's still alive. The mother fainted. The doctor happened to revive both of them and what was going to be a funeral turned into a party. And as I got to the end of that article, I thought, hang on a sec. Is it April 1st today? Like, is this is this a joke or am I on some like fake news website? And I checked the website. I checked the date. It, was, it wasn't April 1st. It was actually the age website that I was on. I thought, wow, maybe maybe this is true. And I don't know where you sit this morning when it comes to the resurrection of Jesus whether or not you would identify as someone who believes or not, or perhaps you're an agnostic or an atheist, and you're not quite sure whether or not you believe this. Perhaps you are someone who doubts. And if you find yourself there, then I want to say, well, you're not alone. In fact, the very first disciples, the very first followers of Jesus also were skeptical when they first heard about the news of the resurrection. In fact, we're told in Luke's account of the life of Jesus that some women who went to the tomb came back and brought this news that the tomb was empty to the disciples. And it says there in verse 11, but those words seemed to them, that is the disciples, an idle tale. That is, it, it seemed like nonsense and they did not believe them. But the truth of the story is they didn't stay that way. They didn't stay in their doubt, in their unbelief, and in their skepticism. In fact, they moved towards belief. And these 12 disciples, these followers of Jesus, would be the 12 men who would take this good news to the ends of the earth and in fact die for the message that they were proclaiming, that Jesus was alive. And so I want to share with you this morning why Christians believe the resurrection is believable. Why we have reasonable grounds to believe that Jesus really did rise again from the dead. And I'm not um, naive enough to think that I can convince you in a 30-minute sermon. And perhaps there's more work and research and reading to be done. But what I want to do this morning is just help you see why we believe what we believe. In fact, there was a um, uh, an American attorney by the name of Sir 
Lionel Laku, who is in the Guinness Book of World Records for winning the most consecutive court cases in a row. He won 245 murder trial acquittals in a row, every single time successful, most successful attorney, attorney in history. He was initially a skeptic when it came to the message of the resurrection, and he ends up saying this about it. He said, I say unequivocally, that the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ is so overwhelming that it compels acceptance by proof which leaves absolutely no room for doubt. Well, he seems pretty convinced. What about you? Are there good reasons to believe in the resurrection? Well, this morning on Resurrection Sunday, I want to offer three reasons from that passage that was just read to us and then throw in a couple of extras as to why we believe the resurrection is believable, is reasonable. And the first is, the resurrection is believable because the disciples weren't expecting a resurrection. It wasn't in their framework. You see these women in verse 1, we're told, went to the tomb to anoint the body. Have a look at what it says. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the, sto the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. You see, they weren't expecting a resurrected body. In fact, they were expecting a dead body. They were going to prepare uh, the body according to their Jewish customs, spices in hand, ready to do what they do. They, they weren't expecting the tomb to be empty, Jesus to have been raised again from the dead. This is perplexing to them. They had no category for this type of a resurrection. In fact, the first century, they had no worldview like this. The Greeks, um, they believed in the distinction between the immaterial and the material. And when a person died, they would shed the material and enjoy an immaterial existence. So they had no category for a physical resurrection of the body. The Jews themselves, even though they believed in a resurrection, they believed that the resurrection would take place at the end of time, not by one individual in a moment in history. They believed it was all going to happen altogether for all people at the end of history. And so the disciples have no category for this. They're caught entirely off, off guard. They're in the midst of their grief. They're in funeral mode. They're in the burial process. Women coming with anointing spices and oils to cover the body in. The men are at home grieving. It's, it's only been three days since these people saw their Lord, their Savior, their leader, their teacher, their rabbi, crucified, hung dead on a cross, taken off and put into a tomb. And that tomb sealed with a heavy rock. These people saw with their eyes, Jesus was dead. You see, the first followers of Jesus weren't at home trying to concoct an elaborate hoax about the resurrection. No, they were mourning. They were grieving. They're surprised as anyone else that the tomb is empty. That's the first reason that it's believable. This account reads as if it's history. The second reason that's believable is that the women are the first eyewitnesses to the resurrection of Jesus. Luke records the names of three women there. You'll notice in chapter 24, verse 10, it says this. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna 
and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. Now, Luke names these women in a publicly circulated document as if to say this really took place and these people are still alive. And if you want to verify this message, go check for yourself. Like, you know, these people go and ask them what they saw. He names these women as a reliable historical document to say this is what took place. Now, the other reason this is remarkable is that in the first century, a vastly sexist culture, a woman was not able to give evidence as an eyewitness in a court of law. Her evidence was not permissible. Now, I'm not saying that I agree with that. Absolutely not. It's vastly sexist. I'm just telling you how it was in the first century. A woman's witness was considered unreliable. And so if you were going to make up some elaborate hoax about a resurrection, about someone who rose again from the dead, you would certainly not make women the first witnesses to your story. In fact, it would have been embarrassing for the first Christians to to share this. And so why is it in there? Well, it's there because that's just how it played out. The women happened to be there. They saw with their eyes for the first time an empty tomb and they reported that to the disciples. It's there because that's how it played out. And as embarrassing as it was for the first century Christians, this is the truth of how things happened. Women, remarkably, God has selected that to be the case. Women were the first eyewitnesses to the resurrection. Well, the third reason that the resurrection is believable, is reasonable to believe in, is that Jesus himself predicted that the resurrection would take place. Have a look at what it says in verse 4. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel, angels. And they said, as they were frightened, they bowed their faces to the ground, and the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he told you, while he was still with you in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be be delivered into the hands of sinful men and crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. You see, Jesus predicted that this would take place at least three times in the book of Luke, in Luke's version of the life of Jesus. He predicted that he would die and rise again after three days. In Luke chapter 9, verse 22, Jesus says this, The Son of Man, speaking of himself, must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Or again, in Luke chapter 18, verse 32, Jesus said this, For he will be delivered over to the Gentiles and will be mocked and be shamefully treated and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him. And on the third day, he will rise. You know, some things can just be a lucky guess, right? You you could say that, um, hey, I'm going to predict that on August 23rd, 2020, they will find a vaccine for coronavirus, right? You you could take a a stab in the dark and guess that that to be true. And, you know, just coincidentally, you turn out to be a modern day prophet, right? You, You could have a guess at something like that. You could predict something. In fact, you could even manipulate circumstances to try and convince people that you were able to predict the future. 
But I'm going to say to you that when it comes to a resurrection, like when it comes to someone who was dead and now is alive again, the probability of predicting that is zero. Like you, you just can't predict that, right? That doesn't happen. And yet Jesus predicts that the resurrection will take place. He predicts with great accuracy and detail the events, the flogging, the whipping, the three days. And in fact, Jesus isn't alone in these predictions. There are Old Testament prophets who many hundreds of years before Jesus was even alive have predicted these things to take place. One of the prophets says this hundreds of years before Jesus was around in Psalm 22 verse 15. It says this. My strength is dried up like a pot's herd. My tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. For dogs encompass me, a company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I count all my bones, they stare and gloat over me, they divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. But you, O Lord, do not be far off. These words are written some 800 years before Jesus ever walked the earth. And with pinpoint accuracy, they speak of the things that took place, the things that the very enemies of Jesus did. The flogging, the Roman soldiers encircling Jesus, casting lots for his clothing. These things are predicted hundreds of years before the death and resurrection of Jesus. The reality is that Christianity never expects blind faith from people. You know, I think many people believe that faith is believing in something that you know isn't true. That's not faith at all. Christian faith is belief in the evidence of a risen Jesus who died and rose again from the death, from the dead. The resurrection is believable. Well, how about a couple of extra free bonus reasons that are outside of Luke 24 that we've read this morning? The other reason is the the transformation of the disciples. You know, the disciples weren't sitting in the upper room between the death and resurrection of Jesus, concocting some crazy hoax plan story that they're going to convince the whole world to tell. In fact, they were cowering in fear of their own death. You see, they feared that they were next in line. Their leader, their rabbi had been crucified and the 12 closest men to him were afraid that they were next. They're hiding in the upper room, afraid of what might happen to them, and yet When they lay eyes on the risen Jesus, a dramatic transformation takes place in their lives. You see, these very men are the same men that then would take that message, proclaim a risen Jesus throughout the world, and then when they were forced to recant that message, refuse and die for their faith, die for the message that they were preaching. You see, it's kind of easy to think that perhaps maybe one or two of them If this was a concocted lie, at the reality, facing the reality of their own death might spill the beans and say, well, hang on a sec, we made this up, but simply not the case. History tells us that every single one of the 12 disciples was martyred, was killed for preaching that Jesus rose from the dead. It's a feature of their preaching. Read through the book of Acts and see how much they talk about Jesus rose from the dead. You know, um, the, uh, one of the, the 12 men who was at the center of the Watergate 
um, conspiracy that broke in the US. A guy by the name of Chuck Carlson, who actually spent time in prison for his part in a cover-up, said this about the resurrection. He says, I know the resurrection is fact. And Watergate proved it to me. How? Because 12 men testified they had seen Jesus raised from the dead, and then they proclaimed that truth for 40 years, never once denying it. Everyone was beaten, tortured, stoned, and put in prison. They would not have endured that if it weren't true. Watergate embroiled 12 of the most powerful men in the world, and they couldn't even keep alive for three weeks. You're telling me 12 apostles could keep alive for 40 years? Absolutely impossible. These disciples were radically transformed at the sight of a risen Jesus and spent their lives communicating that message and dying for it. The next reason that we believe that the resurrection is believable, is acceptable, is reasonable to put our faith in is that there are very early records of documentation around the resurrection of Jesus. There's a record um, that is written perhaps within a few years of the life, death and resurrection of Jesus. Mark's gospel, which we believe is one of the earliest accounts of the life of Jesus, is dated somewhere between 18 and 37 AD. That means that it's written within the lifetime of those who are written in the book, recorded in the book as eyewitnesses. The second document is a very early Christian creed that we have that's written in one of our books called uh, 1 Corinthians 15, a creed about the resurrection of Jesus. And that has been circulating between about 30 to 36 AD. Now, in both of these cases, stories of the resurrection were circulating in the first century, very, very close to the timing of the events that took place in the lifetime of those who were there, who were able to verify, who were able to offer eyewitness testimony, as well as those who believed the contrary that were able to challenge those claims. There is very little time for these legends to circulate and begin to unfold as a giant game of Chinese whispers. Now we have early, early documentation that says that these events took place. The church didn't fabricate this long after they took place, long after the events took place. Now we have publicly written records that circulated in the lifetime of the eyewitnesses. The next reason, and probably one of the most compelling for me, is that Jesus' own family worshipped him. His own family, right? Jesus' half-brother James, his mother Mary, they both end up worshipping Jesus as the Messiah, as God, the one who came and lived the perfect life and died the death that we deserve. They worshipped Jesus. These are the same people that, that nurtured him that saw him, that grew up with him. You know, I'm, I'm pretty close with my younger brother. We're about two and a half years uh, in age difference. And I've got to tell you, I would never, ever bow, worship, and then give my life to proclaim to the world that he is the Son of God. Why? Because I know. I've seen him. I've lived with him. I know what it looks like. He would do the same for me. And yet, Jesus' very family worships him. That's a staggering reality. 
That would only happen for someone who had known him long enough. It would only happen for those who are thoroughly convinced that Jesus is who he claimed to be. You know, it's often said that the church created the resurrection. Well, actually, the opposite is true. The resurrection created the church. Were it not for the truth of this key central belief in Christianity, that Jesus died and three days rose again from the dead, none of what we see today would be real. The church is created by the truth of the resurrection. This is a radical teaching that even today, around 2 billion people across our globe are celebrating the good news of the resurrection. But you know, the resurrection is not only compelling, it's not only reasonable and believable, but it's also profoundly satisfying for our souls. We need this to be true. Even if you don't believe in the evidence, you ought to want this to be true because of the profound implications of the resurrection. You know, does Jesus' resurrection offer any shed of hope for us? Particularly at a time where our lives feel so uncertain. At a time where we are seeing globally people dying from a virus that we have no immunization for, no, no um, form of medication. A time of deep uncertainty, a time of panic and fear. Does, does the resurrection of Jesus offer any hope for the angst that our soul feels in this cultural moment? You know, at a time like this, we're often faced with tough questions. Questions like, actually, what will happen to me when I die? Is there anything after life? Sorry, is there anything after death? Where do we go? What happens? We believe that the resurrection has profound answers to those types of questions. Not only is the resurrection a profoundly historical event it's also profoundly important and satisfying the apostle paul says that if if christians believe and there's no resurrection we are to be pitied above all people it's pointless our faith is useless and so let me close with a couple of implications on the importance of the resurrection for us the first is that the resurrection is validation of the effectiveness of the crucifixion i'll say that again The resurrection is validation of the effectiveness of the crucifixion of Jesus. You see, if Jesus is still dead, like if there is a tomb that has his bones that is buried on a hillside in Jerusalem somewhere, our faith is pointless. We are still stuck in our sin. But the truth of the resurrection means that the crucifixion worked. Jesus is alive. Death has been defeated. He rose again, conquering death and promising new life for all those who would have faith in him. The angel said to the women in verse 6, he is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you. These words of Jesus are true and reliable. He's trustworthy. And so when he says to you, I promise to forgive your sins. You can trust him. And he's demonstrated that by rising again to new life. We can have certainty and confidence that all of our sin, past, present, and future, has been dealt with categorically once and for all in the death of Jesus. The second implication is that the resurrection gives us power for present living. 
power for present living. You see, the Christian life is the resurrected life because the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in us. We live by faith in the risen Jesus and we've been united with him by faith, united with Christ. Our lives are hidden with Christ on high and we get to do life now with the power of the resurrection evident and working in us. Power to live in a way beyond our natural human nature, to love when we're called to love, to respond without selfishness, to step out without fearing death and to live with confident future of our certain hope, with a confident hope, sorry, of our certain future. And that's the third thing that the resurrection brings, hope for the future. You see, the resurrection of Jesus is both um, the pattern for our own resurrection and Jesus sets a precedent in that. You see, the scriptures tell us that he is the first fruits of the resurrection and that all who follow him will follow like him, that he will be, that we will be rather resurrected just like Jesus. You know, that, that brings great hope for us. It, it really eradicates a fear of death because we know what's going to happen on the other side. We know that Jesus is coming back and calling all of those to have, who have placed their faith and trust in him to join him. And it's a physical resurrection. You notice Jesus didn't appear to the disciples in some spiritual, ethereal, ghostly form. There was a physical resurrection, which means Jesus cares about our physical bodies and our resurrection will be a physical resurrection. And we will enjoy a world that God will recreate. His promises, he is making all things new, that there will be no more sickness or pain or crying because the old order of things has passed away. You see, the resurrection of Jesus is a validation that the crucifixion was effective. It is the power for present living, and it is hope for our future. The resurrection changes everything. And friends, I hope that that news brings uh, great strength and encouragement to you this Easter, what a bizarre Easter this has been, unlike any Easter we have ever celebrated. And in the midst of the craziness of this world, our hope and prayer is that the truth of the resurrection of Jesus changes everything for you personally. You know, perhaps you're a Christian this morning watching this, and I want to encourage you to cling to Jesus in this time. But maybe you're watching this for the, for the first time today, and you've become convinced that Jesus is a real person who walked the face of this planet, a historical figure who died and rose again for you to set you free. And today I want to encourage you to pray a very simple prayer, a prayer that says, thank you, sorry, and please. Thank you for dying for my sin. Thank you for taking my place. I'm sorry that I've rejected you. Please come into my life. Make me a brand new person starting today. I want to encourage you to reach out to our team, click on the, the chat comment there that you would like to give your life to Jesus today. And one of our team would love to pray for you and help you on this new journey. We love you guys. Bless you. Happy Resurrection Sunday. And we'll see you guys soon.